Guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to the online folks who are joining us, whether it's live or sometime later. And I'm excited to, to talk about today's passage and today's disciple who, yes, as Stan mentioned, is Thomas from John chapter 20. But I'll start out with a question. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Can you think of a time that someone told you something that was so shocking, so astounding, that you said, what? I don't believe it. If you were to talk to people 100 years ago, and you were to say that on July the 20th of 1969, a man would step onto the moon, they would say, I don't believe it. And yet, Neil Armstrong did that 50 over 50 years ago, if I have the math right. If you were to tell me a year ago that your children would be going to school starting in November and they'd be wearing masks to the bus stop and to school, I would say, I don't believe it. No way. And yet here, this is a picture from my two of my children and their cousins. My dad's right there. These are some of his grandkids at the bus stop on Wednesday wearing masks as they prepare to go to school. Um, maybe you would say, would you believe that a number 16 seed would beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Ouch, this is painful for me. Uh, I would say, you know, I, while I could think that it would happen, I really don't believe that it would happen. But in 2018, guys, it did happen. And there you see Kyle Guy of the University of Virginia hunched over, devastated as his team faced a demoralizing loss that year. But could you believe that a year later that that same team would go on to win the national title? And there is the same player, Kyle Guy, in exalted exuberance as his team wins the national title a year after total demoralizing defeat. In fact, a documentary of the whole story, believe it or not, is entitled Unbelievable. Because could you believe that this could happen? Well, I want us to know that this happens all the time. I can think of certain things people have told me, and you can as well. Uh, I remember one, one, someone telling me that two ministry leaders that I had served with and really uh, admired had fallen and were involved in an extramarital affair with one another. And I thought, I, I can't believe it. I can remember on September 11th when uh, a guy said the Twin Towers fell down. And I said, I don't believe it. What does that mean? We, we hear shocking news a lot in our lives. And that brings us to our disciple today and our lesson today from the life of Thomas. Do not disbelieve, but believe from John chapter 20. Because Thomas, like you and me, heard something so astounding, so shocking, that he just could not believe it. And yet, like what we've just talked about, it was true. It remains true to this day, and I'm so glad. That truth is that Jesus is alive. So this is our 11th week in uh, our life, our study on the lives of the disciples. Thank you to Dale for last week for talking to us about Judas, friend, do what you came to do. Great lessons about how to respond when we are the betrayer and the betrayed. So thank you, Dale, for that. 
Uh, we turn our attention now to Thomas being reminded of our thesis for the semester, which is that Jesus uses ordinary men to accomplish his extraordinary mission. Ordinary men like you and me. Noting that a disciple is someone, and this first one is important, especially for our lesson today. A disciple is someone who is called to faith in Jesus Christ. He's called to follow after Jesus Christ and obey him. Called to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ in telling others about him. And then finally, is called to fellowship with the family of Jesus Christ in community. And we come now to the disciple of Thomas. Now, just, just for context, we've got to get a few maps in here. Uh, these may not be the easiest to see, but this is a map of ancient Palestine or Israel. And in the south is Jerusalem. And then last week, we showed this map of the ancient city of Jerusalem uh, with the temple and Herod's palace. This is where the disciples are. Uh, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He was crucified on Good Friday, raised on Easter Sunday, and he began appearing to his disciples. In fact, he appeared to them in John 20, right ahead of our passage, and he, uh, he showed himself to them, and he said something very remarkable to them twice. He said, peace, peace be with you. And he told them, and he showed them that he had been raised from the dead. And then he went on for another period of days, continuing to show himself and appear to other people. Um, and what we're going to find is that uh, Thomas, our disciple for today, was not present when Jesus first appeared to his disciples on the evening of that first Easter. So we pick up the action in John chapter 20, verses 24, and we'll read through verse 29. And the text goes like this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And they kept saying this to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands in the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He says it again. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Literally, we could say, do not be disbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So this is our text. And we're going to pull some lessons from the text. Before we do, I want to pull one of my, my favorite uh, paintings from one of my favorite painters in history. And his name is Caravaggio, and he is a Renaissance painter from Italy. And this work is entitled The Incredulity of St. Thomas. And it's a little, little hard to see. I, I encourage you to, to Google the image at some point. I, I love how Caravaggio, he uses light and shadow, and he shows expression on people's faces and includes a lot of wonderful details. Now, uh, some of them are creative, and I would say extra biblical, and I'll tell you why. But um, if you get a close look at Thomas's face, he still has his left hand on his hip, as if to say, I, I almost am not sure I believe this. 
but he's um, he's sticking. It's kind of gross. Just for the online audience, I apologize. But um, he's sticking his fingers in the side of Jesus, and his brow is raised as if to say, "I I don't didn't believe this, but my goodness, I do now." Um, it's a, it's a wonderful work, and why why I, you'll find out why I think it's uh, maybe slightly heretical and extra biblical, and we'll we'll get to that um, in just a minute. Uh, years ago at my previous church, I preached on this passage, focusing on the subject of doubt, and the name of the title of the message I gave was, Thomas is my middle name. And uh, you know when you say something's your middle name, that means that describes you. It's sort of a characteristic that describes you. But guys, literally, Thomas is my middle name. Uh, I'm named after my dad, Tom Rue, over there. My name is Hunter Thomas Rue. Um, but but I, I felt like aligning uh, with what Thomas was about, I, I felt familiar with him, familiar with his struggle, familiar with the doubts that he employed and that he felt. And I'm sure just based off of Stan's uh, introduction, hearing the chuckles, that all of us have been at points where we have struggled like Thomas with those doubts. Now, just some... Um, just some details about Thomas. He's here. He's known as Didymus or the twin. Um, that's just kind of his nickname. Thomas would be his uh, Aramaic name and Didymus would be a Greek name. It means the twin. We don't know. Maybe he was a twin. Maybe he had a twin brother or a twin sister, but he is referred to as the twin twice in scripture here and then in John eleven sixteen, 16, which reads, so Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And this is taken right before Jesus goes to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. And his disciples have just said, Lord, you are just down there in the southern part of Israel and, and they want to kill you. And Jesus says, we're going. And this is Thomas is somewhat pessimistic. He's probably a glass half, half empty guy. Well, let us also go that we may die with him. Uh, he was loyal, but he was kind of a, a pessimist in this way. But he was honest. He was an honest disciple. And in John 14, we see him speak again. And this is when Jesus says, I am going. Where I am going, uh, you will go later. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Does anybody know what Jesus' response to Thomas is in John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Thomas's honest question sets Jesus up with this incredible answer that we now have in our scriptures today. So we see Thomas speaking three times in the whole New Testament in the Gospel of John. John 11, John 14, and then here in John chapter 20, where we more fully see uh, his character, his doubts, and his, his struggle as a disciple. But just the lessons that I want us to pull from this today, the first is... The doubt is natural. Doubt is natural. Now, I want to distinguish something important as we think about Thomas and we think about ourselves, because um, Thomas just, it, it was more than just doubt. Like, I'm not sure Jesus was raised from the dead. He flat out denied it. It was unbelief. And I realize in nuancing, sometimes it's a matter of semantics here, but with Thomas, it was flat-out unbelief. There's no way. In fact, as we look at the text and think about how adamant he was, when he says, 
I will, unless I, I put my, my finger and touch his hands and see his, his marks, I will never believe. And the, the negation of that in Thomas using that language as it's recorded in John is the strongest way to negate a word or a verb in the Greek language of the Bible. In fact, I heard a friend once say, <clears throat> it's the same as saying, uh-uh, no way, never. That's how strong Thomas's disbelief was. So I want to make a distinction there that when, when you and I wrestle with doubt, we may still believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is raised, but struggle to really allow that to be applied to our hearts and our minds and our actions. And so maybe saying doubting Thomas, we should maybe call him unbelieving Thomas, but knowing that at times we are doubting Thomases. We struggle with doubt as well. Um, what I find interesting for Thomas, and this is where you'll have to forgive me, an online audience, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, for Thomas, the only way he was going to believe is if he saw and he touched, right? So for Thomas then, the proof is in the putting of, yeah, you get it? Of his finger. I know it's bad. Max is in the back. He's going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Yes, this is going on the website. I know, Andy, I'm sorry. The proof is in the putting for him. And, um, and sometimes that's the way we are. I'm, I'm only going to believe this if I can see it. Again, sorry about that, sort of. Um, but, yeah. Um, but, but here's the interesting thing is that uh, for, for Jesus, this was not an attitude that Jesus commended in the Gospel of John especially. In fact... We find in John 4, 48, Jesus says these words. And this is to a man who um, he uh, comes to Cana from Capernaum, which are two separate cities or communities, and his son is ill. And he asks Jesus to heal him because he knows what Jesus did in Cana at the, the wedding when he turned water into wine. And uh, Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And we find that that is similar to what he says here. To, Tom, uh, to Thomas at the end of our passage. Jesus does not commend the attitude of, I'm only going to believe it if I see it. And I, I know that at times I've, I've wrestled with that. Uh, I know friends that have said, I remember a friend named Jason who I went to high school with and then to college with, and I was talking to him about matters of faith towards the end of college, and he was sitting in my room. He goes, I, I'm, I just want God to show up and show himself to me and prove that he's real. That's the only way that I'm going to believe. For my friend Jason, uh, that was what was going to be required for him. And we can understand that because doubt is natural. And we all wrestle with doubts. I can remember my own um, struggles with doubt in my faith when I finished my first year of college. And I had taken one of these great introductory to New Testament courses. And it was at a, a public secular university in the religious studies department. And the professor was saying certain things about the New Testament. And maybe we can't trust that Paul wrote this letter. And maybe the gospel writers didn't write this. And maybe the Bible was put together by these people. And I never heard this stuff before. And I was really struggling. And I came home that summer and I was talking to a, a pastor friend and and he said, you know, um, he listened and he was patient. He said, at the end of the day, what doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if 
Paul did or didn't write Ephesians or Mark did or didn't write Mark, although I believe that they did. He said, what matters is that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross and he's raised from the dead. And that was the good news that I needed to rehear, to be reminded in the midst of my doubt. Uh, my, my wife in college uh, took a class called Faith and Doubt. We kind of joke and people joke that it was called Doubt and Doubt. It was sort of the, the other name because the professor tried to deconstruct what you believed. And, and that, was, that was challenging for her as she wrestled with that as well. But as I think about doubt, I'm reminded of one of my favorite characters from the Bible, one of these fa my favorite people. And, uh, and this is after Jesus is transfigured in Mark chapter 9, and he comes down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and there's a, a to-do with the disciples trying to heal a man's son who uh, has an unclean spirit, and they can't do it. And Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation, how, must, how much longer must I you know, be dealing with you? And then he's able to cast out the demon. But before he does, the man looks at Jesus and he says, uh, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible. For one who believes. And this, I feel like at times is, my faith at times, this is my, uh, his response, which I, resonates with me, maybe with you too. Immediately the father of the child, child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, have you been there? Have you been there with, with the Lord? Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. That is because doubt is natural. And yet in the midst of this, just as with Thomas, Jesus is faithful, Jesus is patient, and Jesus points us to the truth. And that is because our second point is that belief or faith is supernatural. It is supernatural. So Jesus, we know Thomas was not present when Jesus appeared. The text tells us eight days later, Jesus appears again. Now, eight days from the Jewish standpoint of keeping time, guys, meant a week. So this is the Sunday following Easter Sunday. And Jesus shows up again, and he says what to his disciples, just like he did the first time, peace be with you. That was his desire. His desire was to grant his disciples peace and assurance that I am raised from the dead. I am here. It is me. And so he says that and repeats that again now that Thomas is in their presence. Now, Jesus knew Thomas's demands. Uh, he knew exactly what Thomas had said. Unless I see, unless I put, unless I touch. And that's exactly how Jesus responds. He says, see, put, touch. Here I am. Don't be, do not disbelieve, but believe. And um, what we get is, is one of the most significant professions of faith in the New Testament, where Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And, and this is significant. It's up there right there with Peter in Matthew chapter 16, where Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Here we have Thomas saying, my Lord and my God, which were both titles of divinity, in the, in the New Testament, in understanding who Jesus is. Um, 
And so what we find about this profession of faith by Thomas, uh, a professor I had named Tom Constable writes the following. Thomas then uttered one of the most profound declarations of saving faith in scripture. For a Jew to call another human being my Lord and my God was blasphemy other normal, under normal circumstances. Yet that is precisely who Thomas believed Jesus was. It is also who John presented Jesus as being throughout his, this gospel. Both titles were titles of deity in the Old Testament. Thomas had come to believe that Jesus was his Lord in a fuller sense than before. And now he believed that Jesus was fully God. One of the staunchest doubters immediately became one of the strongest believers in the history of the church. And I don't, I don't know what was going on in Thomas's gut, in his heart, when he saw Jesus standing there and approached him in, in just a shock. And immediately when Jesus says, see and put and touch, Thomas is my Lord and my God. Um, I actually know a friend, uh, his name is, is Bill from my previous church, and he came to faith, much like Thomas, after reading this account in the Gospel of John. He said, oh, like Thomas, I've doubted, but Jesus is my Lord and my God. And what's amazing to me is, guys, is that Thomas personally, personally identifies with Jesus in this. He doesn't just say, you are Lord and you are God, my Lord my God, personally identifying with the resurrected Christ in that very moment. And this is really a climactic moment in all of John's gospel. Because if we go back to the very beginning, we see from the start, John writes these words with which we are very familiar. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So John as a gospel writer, is laying out this very clear case about Jesus' identity. That comes full circle, and it's heightened now towards the end of the gospel with Thomas's profession of my Lord and my God. Do you see that, that connection? The word was God, and now it is affirmed through Thomas, the great doubter, and his entrance into the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ of my Lord and my God. Jesus had to intervene in order for Thomas to be brought from death to life, from um, unbelief to belief. That's because faith or belief is a supernatural, a supernatural work of God. And he did that for you and for me in the same way. He brought us from the point where we didn't believe. And at some point in our lives, whether or not we know the day or the hour is not important because now if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he died on the cross, that he was raised from the dead, and that your sins can be forgiven, and that you can have eternal life in his name, you have crossed from death to life. And you have, that is because of the supernatural work of God in your life, in my life, through the Holy Spirit. So salvation is always a supernatural work of God. And what, what Jesus goes on to say at the end is, indeed, you have seen and you believe, but how blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who is that? That's you. That's me. That's everyone who has not encountered the resurrected Christ, which is most of us, billions and billions of people. 
We have not seen, but we have believed because of God's supernatural work in our lives, bringing us from death to life through faith in Christ. And that faith is a process. A scholar named Merrill Tinney, Tinney writes the following on his work, Topics from the Gospel of John. The growth of belief depicted in the Gospel of John thus moves from an initial acceptance of the testimony of another to a personal knowledge marked by loyalty, service, and worship. From assumption of the historicity and integrity of Jesus to a personal trust in him. From an outward profession to an inward reality. From attending to his teachings to acknowledging his lordship over life. That's my Lord and my God faith right there. And that is supernatural. So how can we apply this? I propose this. Be honest with your doubt and humble in your belief. Be honest with God when we struggle with doubt. But be humble and recognize that Jesus Christ is the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, come back to what we know to be true about what the scriptures tell us about the Son of God. But at the same time, be honest with our unbelief. I'm reminded of passages from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, where we read, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's the nature of biblical faith, biblical faith in Jesus Christ. At the same time, we should be honest with those doubts because we all have questions, guys. I mean, I've been following the Lord for over 25 years now, and, and I, have, I have questions. I get to points in my walk where I go, oh, is this really true? I mean, we, we've all been there. We've all wondered and asked the questions. I mean, is God's word really true? Are God's promises really certain? Can I really trust that he's good in, in this moment? Is he really listening to my prayers? Can I really believe that he loves me in spite of all that I've done and how I have left him and sought my own way? I, mean, have, I think we've all at some point wrestled with these questions. Uh, I came across a quote, actually, I was able to, to find it this morning, from a book called uh, The Christian Atheist, Believing in God but Living as if He Doesn't Exist. Um, and I, I tried to include it. I'll, I'll read this quote out loud. I meant to include it in the PowerPoint. Uh, it's by a guy named Craig Rochelle. Uh, if God has done what you think he should do, trust him. If God doesn't do what you think he should do, trust him. If you pray and believe God for a miracle and he does it, trust him. If your worst nightmare comes true, believe he is sovereign, believe he is good. That is difficult, but that is what Jesus invites us to do. I'm reminded of this uh, as we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate proof that God is good. And that God is faithful, and he always remembers his promises, guys. As we get to, uh, to conclude here, I want to point us to John chapter 11, and then the, towards the end of the Gospel of John chapter 20 one more time. We have here Jesus saying 
this is to, to Martha in John chapter 11. As he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That is the question he asks all of us. Do you believe it? Can you believe it? That Jesus is raised from the dead. He is. And that's why when we get towards the end of the Gospel of John, oh, this is the quote from uh, Craig Rochelle, the Christian atheist. I'll, I'll let you look at that later if you want. The end of the Gospel of John, it's actually right after, um, it's still in chapter 20, right after what we just looked at, where John writes his purpose for writing. This comes, again, right after Jesus has appeared to Thomas and he said, my Lord and my God. Uh, John writes, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you have life in his name. You have eternal life in his name, guys. Um, it, if there's any, anyone here, any guys sitting here, anyone watching online who still has questions, I mean, am, do I really know Jesus? Do I, do I really believe this? I'm not sure. God is working in your heart and invites you to say, just like Thomas did, my Lord and my God. And when you trust that Jesus is the resurrected Christ and Savior, the scriptures promise us that you have life in his name. Amen. Amen. Doubt is natural. <laughs> Belief or faith is supernatural. I encourage us, as I've encouraged myself, to be honest with our doubts and humble in our belief. Do not be disbelieving, but believe. Can you believe it? Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Believe it, and you'll have life in my name. Faith is essential, because faith is essential to doing what God calls us to do. And that is to use us as ordinary men in his extraordinary mission of changing the world with the gospel message. That's the good news that Jesus is alive. Thomas realized it. I believe we have realized it, and he calls us to share that message. So, next week, Thanksgiving break, no meeting. In two weeks, we'll be back here as we'll be learning, as Max shares with us from Peter, part three, feed my sheep and follow me from John chapter 21. Uh, I encourage you to uh, spend, uh, you, again, you got, you got time. I know it's cold, but uh, maybe huddling up a little bit will create a little warmth. Um, but take time and answer these questions. Um, and these are just questions that I, I know I could answer very honestly. What are your biggest doubts in your relationship with Jesus? Thomas's doubt was that Jesus was alive. You maybe have big doubts like that too. Um, and how has God strengthened your faith in times of doubt? I can think about, again, that pastor friend who said, it doesn't matter who wrote this book of the Bible, but it matters that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and he's raised from the dead. Um, so just spend a little time discussing those questions online, folks. Just take a little time to reflect on those questions as well. And I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, you're free to meet or you're free to free to disperse. But uh, thanks again for 
for being a part of this today. Um, I just, I'm so grateful whenever we come together and learn from God's word. So uh, let me pray. Lord, we know that indeed Jesus is the resurrected Christ. We, um, we believe, even though we haven't seen, and, and your scripture tells us that we're blessed because of that. We're blessed to experience that great peace that Jesus came to offer his disciples that evening of Easter and then a week later with Thomas. Peace be with you. Um, that peace comes knowing with full assurance that we are your children and that we are loved and accepted by you on the merits of Christ alone. And so I pray for anyone who's wrestling with doubt and say, I'm just not so sure I believe that, that you through your supernatural work and your Holy Spirit would bring them from the point of unbelief to cross that line to belief, to become your children, children of God. We thank you. Thank you so much for your word and your, the assurance that it gives us. We pray this in the name of the resurrected Christ, in whom we believe, who is our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ. Amen.